Welcome to season four of the Lighting Your Way podcast. This season, we will hear from all types of guests who share their experiences, their insights, and their stories. For this episode, I speak with longtime Guardian Nurses colleague, Megan Swider, who also, as in last week's episode with Charlotte Jeroma, is one of the finalists in the community nursing category at the Nightingale Awards of Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Megan Swider. It is good to have you here. Thanks, Bed. Um, glad to be here on this beautiful sunny day. Yeah, yeah, Thanks great. We, we're, I'm happy to have you. You are one of our two finalists for the community nursing category at the Nightingale Awards of Pennsylvania. So congratulations to you. Thank you very much. I'm actually honored um, to be a finalist and among so many um, great health workers that were nominated, um, especially against, you know, I'm one of the two for the community yeah. health. Um, and I feel very grateful that I have the opportunity. Yeah, there is. Um, we have two finalists. We had uh, last week. We talked to Charlotte Jeroma, who was a winner in the patient choice category, and then both you and Chris McCarrick were became were nominated, and of course, are finalists in that. So we'll talk to Chris next week. So um, I I just wanted to talk a little bit about your nomination, and then I'll talk about your work uh, at Guardian Nurses. So you were um, nominated by a colleague. Uh, did you know that you were nominated? No, I actually was not. I was very, very surprised. Um, you know, I work with a great team with a lot of nurses um, who are very experienced. So, like I said, I was very, very honored when I found out that I was a nominee. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I think, I guess when they announced it was in July sometime, wasn't it, or somewhere? Yeah, yeah, it was, I think, the, yep, the end of July. Is yeah, when I found great. Out, right before I went on vacation. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, perfect, perfect. You could brag yeah. to all your brothers and and uh, family members. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Good I for did. you. <laughs> um, so the so the community nursing category uh, at at Nightingale is, you know, like parish nurses, home care nurses, um, case managers in the community. Uh, so folks that work outside of acute care and outside of academia. So. Let's talk a little bit about your role uh, at Guardian Nurses. You are a mobile care coordinator for uh, a union in Philadelphia that covers the, uh, I guess, uh, a lot of white collar jobs, librarians, um, I think parking authority, right? Correct. Isn't that true? Correct. Yes. Um, I work for DC 47. Um, I've been working with that union for four years. Um, they are workers, um, like you said, white collar workers. It's um, Philadelphia Parking Authority, librarians, um, DHS, social workers. Um, so, you know, a variety of workers for the city. Right. And, and Department of Rec, too, I think, right? Yes. Yep. They, yes. There's, there's, um, yes, there's a lot of work. Uh, yes. Airport. Oh, okay. And how many, yeah. um, how many total, uh, how many, as we say in the biz, how many total belly buttons do you uh, have in that fund? We have right around 10,000. 
So wow. that includes the members, I believe, which is probably around 4,800. And okay. then we refer to the belly buttons as their dependents. So okay. the members plus their dependents. Okay. Uh, and you are a team of three nurses. So you're one. And then we have two other nurses. Of course, one is Charlotte, who was the patient choice winner. So um, what is yeah. your role on that uh, trio? So my role is I am the chronic, the mobile care coordinator for the chronic um, complex, um, which means that I take care of the patients that have um, multiple chronic issues. Um, it could include diabetes. I mostly work with the diabetics. Um, Charlotte and I um, share the uh, chronic patients, but I mostly deal with the members with diabetes, but they can also have uh, multiple other conditions that go along with that. And then Eileen um, cares for all the acute members, um, the ones that show up in the hospital. Okay. And, and in that, in caring for them, right, I know that we've talked on previous podcasts about the work that our mobile care uh, nurses do, but you're out and about, right, every day. Tell us about your your job. Oh, yeah. Um so most of the time I will, um, I'll get referrals either through um, Eileen um, in the acute world. Um, so if they have a diagnosis of diabetes, um, she refers them to me. I also get um, information, um, you know, people with further labs um, from the lab reports. So then I'll reach out to the members and I'll engage them and talk about their diabetes. Um, but like I said, they also have other chronic issues um, that they're dealing with. So um, a visit for me could be either with their primary care or with many different specialties. Um, okay. It could be a cardiologist, nephrologist, um, endocrinologist. So the members that I um, work with have multiple um, specialists along with their primary care. Yeah, I mean, when you have a chronic disease in this healthcare system, it's it's a lot of care coordination. That's pretty much what it, I'm sure your greatest your greatest uh, role is. It sure is. Um, I try to, you know, work with the members and try to keep them organized with their care, um, making sure that they're following up um, with their um, primary care, and then along with the primary, their specialist. Um, so I, I, I do a lot of accompaniments um, to doctor's appointments. And also, if needed, um, I will do home visits um, oh, if they need. Um, great. Yeah, if they need more education um, and to go over care plans with them, go over discharge instructions with them. So yeah, it's a lot of coordination of care. Right. And, and I, I guess, you know, for the, for the average bear, for the average layperson, uh, it can be overwhelming. I, I, I think, um, even you know, uh, when, when I, when we talk about patients, you know, even nurses, even doctors, you know, when you're sick and you're in the healthcare system, you don't really want to have to, you know, coordinate right. your care. You'd like to know that it's being done, but I think that's why you've been so successful in your role is because you are really doing a lot of, uh, maybe even literally handholding, but you're you're wrapping your arms around the patients that you have and and shepherding them through the healthcare system when they have some complex issues, right? Medical issues. 
That's true. Um, remember, um, as they're, they also have these issues, they're also trying to work full time. Um, so, you know, they're trying to, you know, along with keeping their work going, um, they're also trying to keep up with their health. So, like I said, I'm there just trying to um, help them through the healthcare maze um, if I need to help them schedule appointments or get a referral um, for their specialty, you know, depending on their insurance requirements. Okay. Um, and just being there as, you know, another set of eyes and ears um, during their um, appointments with their doctors. Um, so trying my, to help them answer questions. The, well, I, you know, as you're there with the doctor's office, and we've, we've heard and certainly people have experienced, those that are listening, that, that our healthcare system has become more complex. W- what are you seeing you know, as you sit there waiting with your patient to, you know, for an, an appointment, like, are you, t- tell us about your experience with, I know we've heard about short staffing and there's not enough people to answer the phones, but what's been your experience in the last, say, six months? Uh, during the last six months, I think it's gotten a lot harder, especially um, after COVID, um, trying to fit um, people into appointments. So the biggest challenge is, um, is trying to get them um, an appointment. So like I said, um, for the patient or member trying to schedule their own appointment, they could be on the phone for, you know, 10, 15 minutes just trying to schedule an appointment. And then um, once you get to the appointment, I think more the follow-up is what's been challenging, Um, especially if they're hospitalized. That's where it's really been a challenge. The members um, with their follow-up home care, there's okay. been, you know, a shortage with nurses. So that's been really hard trying to so, coordinate that. Tell me, so let's go back to, let's go into the hospital a little bit. So I know, again, same mm-hmm. thing, staffing shortages. Uh, a lot of people, you know, nurses are taking on more patients. Um, I, I know that you have been in hospital and kind of observing that we've talked to other nurses on our team about what their experience has been. What, what's your experience been? Um, in the hospital, um, like I said, a lot of patients complain um, about just not knowing what's going on. Um, you know, like I haven't talked to a doctor. I haven't talked to the nurse. I don't know what's really going on. So we're there just to be um, that liaison between the patient and their medical team, just to bring them up to date, whether if we had to bring the nurse in or the doctor in just to explain to the patient. And also to help them, like during discharge, um, I've been seeing a lot, the long waits, um, you know, when they're given a discharge date, waiting for the doctor to come around. So I'll go in, I'll try to get in before the patient is discharged and talk, bring the nurse in, talk about what the follow-up care is going to be. Um, and then after that, I'll help them schedule their follow-up appointments with their physicians, whether it's a specialist, whether they have to follow up with the, their primary care. Yeah, I I think that that has been at least throughout the, even before COVID, I, I think discharge, um, discharge from hospitals can be very challenging and, and often, um, 
what's the word? I guess, you know, just uh, brief. <laughs> so, you know, cause we're, they're discharging folks and nurses are trying to take care of other patients. And, you know, you get now printed out 20 pages of discharge instructions and uh, a resident might come or a doctor or a nurse might come and say, okay, here's your discharge <laughs> instructions. And you're like, okay, okay, sign here. And you're like, what did I do? So uh, I know that we've right. had ex- even, I, I know you have had some experiences, but I know other folks on the team have had where, you know, the, it's the guy, the patient's maybe had a stroke and, you know, you get home and you look at his instructions and there's no follow-up to a, a cardiologist or to a neurologist, right? And you're thinking, wait a minute. Uh, so. Yeah, I definitely have had experiences with that. Um, so, like I said, that would be a case where I would, um, you know, try to meet them, um, schedule a home visit go over, review all the discharge um, instructions with them and sit there and make phone calls with them um, trying to schedule all, because it could be, you know, multiple specialties with the neurologist, with the PCP, with the cardiologist. So it takes time. And I think um, the patients just get overwhelmed. First of all, they're just getting home and, you know, just getting back um, to normal and, it's just a lot, I think, for these members or patients to have to deal with on their own. So right. I think having an advocate, um, you know, is a really good thing for them. So, Meg, is there a case that comes to mind um, right off the top of your head that you'd like to share with us in terms of depicting what your work is? Uh, sure. Actually, um, there is a case that comes to mind. Um, I've been working with this particular patient for about a year and a half. Um, I've really gotten to know this patient. Um, When I first met him, I was trying to coordinate all, get all of his information, um, try to, you know, just piece everything together. Um, And I found out that this member lives by himself. This patient lives by himself. Um, um, He has minimal um, support from family and friends. So um, I found out that he has, he's wheelchair dependent and on oxygen. So, yeah. Um, So a simple task just as going downstairs to pick up the mail, he could not do because um, of the function of his wheelchair. It was just too big. Um, to get through the doorways, to get onto the elevator, just to go downstairs. So I talked with him and I said, you know what, let's try to figure something out. You need to be more independent. Um, Mm -hmm. So I reached out to the patient's primary care, the one that he had for years, um, and I just kept hitting brick walls. (laughs) Um, I was not getting any information. I requested medical um, information and they would not provide it or they said they didn't have it, which I found odd. This um, was so the, I, the primary, the primary care doctor. Yeah. Oh. Yes. This is the primary okay. care doctor. Um, I even went to visit. Um, I went to the primary care office with cookies <laughs> in hand. <laughs> to see if I can sway um, a girl. some information. <laughs> And I was told that um, the doctor was busy. She was with a patient. And upon entering the office, actually, it looked like it was, um, you know, advertising for Botox. 
So at this point, I thought, I don't know what's going on um, with mm-hmm. this. So I convinced the patient to um, switch primary care physicians, and I was able to um, switch him to a um, Blue Cross um, just at BCD. Um, Blue, Blue Center Cross of Distinction? Blue, yeah. Blue, yes. Blue, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the center of distinction. Um, so I went to the appointment with him. He loved the office, loved the staff. Um, they were very accommodating. So again, the goal was to get this patient independent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked with the primary care and I found out through my research that Moss has a um, wheelchair clinic, um, which I did not know before. Okay. Um, so. What I was able to do was set him up for an appointment. Um, we went together. They did a full assessment um, on the patient. Mm-hmm. And it took a while. I have to say, it didn't happen overnight. It took mm-hmm. a few months. Um, but two weeks ago on a day like today in Philadelphia, it's sunny, <laughs> beautiful. Um, he sent me a picture that he received his electric scooter. Um, he... <laughs> He was outside. He's like, I've been outside for over an hour, um, just driving around, taking in the sun, <laughs> and I was able to pick up my mail. Ah, so that's just great. That, yeah, just hearing that, he was so excited, so thankful. He couldn't believe that um, somebody actually stuck with him through this whole process and was able to complete, you know, the goal <laughs> that he had set. He better be careful. He's going to use all of his juice in one uh, one afternoon. I know. I know. But I, I'm just so happy because, like I said, this is going to allow him to be more independent. And now he's asking me um, for paperwork to sign up for CCT so he can go to appointments um, by himself. He'll be ah. able to schedule appointments, and he won't have to rely on the one person that is his transportation that. Um, able to get him to appointments, but it's always on his time, you know, not the patient's time. So okay, okay, very happy. So that that's a uh, a perfect example. I mean, working with him for over what a year and a half, you said, and then finally getting him to be yeah. independent. Um, you know, right. that's that's a, a credit to you just to get him to that point and to be independent because, while you want to help as many you can, you you have to help other people with more perhaps pressing issues. Right. Yeah. So that's always yeah, that's always an interesting uh, juggle. I know that you you uh, nurses deal with when you're dealing with complex mm-hmm. patients. So Meg, the other question yeah. I wanted to ask you is that you have uh, a a soon to be a nurse in your family. Your daughter Kirsten is in Temple's nursing program. I think Temple University. Yes, yes, she is. Um, I am <laughs> super proud of her. Um, she's following in mom's footsteps. That's um, great. And yeah, I know a lot of people. I, I actually had people say to me, how can you allow her to go into nursing? I I will shout from the rooftops. I'm, I love what I do, nursing. There's so many things that you can do with nursing. So um, I am really excited for her. And she is really doing well. Um, she's putting a lot of effort into it. and like in every minute of it so far. Love it. And she, uh, that's a four-year program at Temple? Yes. It's a four, yeah. yes. She'll go for her bachelor's. 
so show um do they still i think what when do they so they have two years of of classroom and then on junior and senior year is when they do clinical uh yes but actually um with kirsten um freshman year last year they um allowed the students once a week to dress in their scrubs first day in scrubs i got a picture of her taking a picture of herself <laughs> a selfie in her scrubs and um you know they taught her um they teach them the basics hand washing um you know just the basics of nursing but i think um putting them in that position it just gets them excited um to just wear the scrubs and being right. in the um hospital setting so and right. then um next week she'll be starting um clinicals so this is her second year um oh. she'll be starting some clinicals at a facility so oh lovely really oh that's great that. yeah yeah she's really she said she's really excited just to get out and start doing that so i'm, I'm really happy um Is with she, the program so far i i think uh you know it's it's so uh, encouraging and heartening for me to hear that, right? Because we, there's been a lot of a uh, lot of going on in COVID with um, the image of nursing and with the um, after COVID with the shortages and it's it's nice to know that there are still young people who are interested yeah. in, in becoming nursing and and certainly right. kudos to you for for shepherding her. Yeah, and I'm sure she's very proud of you being a Nightingale finalist. I sure hope so. Um, yeah, she, I think, you know, they, they do, they, I think they really are. They're proud of me. Um, they said they are, but I also have um, a niece. I also have two nieces, one um, niece um, already. She's a nurse at CHOP and I have another niece at the university of Pittsburgh that's in the nursing program. And then hmm. another niece that's in pre-med at the University of Pittsburgh. So wow. I hope um, we're, start, we're starting a trend here um, in my family. <laughs> that's great. Field. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, as, as yeah. you know, it's a great career. So I, I, I'm glad that, oh, Kirsten, yeah. I look forward to her graduation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, all right. So, so you have the, your finger on the pulse. You have a you have a daughter who's second year. Uh, I'm going to ask you the sixty four thousand dollar question. Given all mm -hmm. that you've been through in the last couple of years, and and certainly have seen with both your patients and I'm sure your family members, how would you, as a Nightingale finalist, if you had a magic yeah. wand that you could just, mm -hmm. boom, how would you fix healthcare? Uh, how I would fix healthcare? I would, um, I would start with empowering patients to be their own advocate. Um, I think taking hold of your own healthcare and um, knowing what's going on and asking those questions. Never think a question isn't worth asking. Okay. Um, I think just taking hold of your own healthcare and being responsible. Um, I think that would, you know, be a good start. I honestly wish, you know, the job that we do as advocates, I wish everybody had an advocate, honestly. Um, if we could make that happen, that all <laughs> patients have advocates, that's, I would really like to start there. So, okay. Uh, well, from your lips that, to, from your lips to God's possible. ears. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, well, you know, well, we've come across so many people. 
Well, how do you like, I mean, I know it certainly sounds like you wanted to, to strive to get that one patient independent, but in your work with patients, how do you empower them? Uh, the way I empower patients, um, I sit down and talk to them. I don't judge them. Um, I, you know, I look at them like I would just myself trying to organize um, their care. Um, it's really hard. Um, people are out there trying to make a living and trying to keep their um, health care, you know, together all at once. So just um, sitting there and being a resource and, um, you know, providing them with um, information and education. And but like I said, don't judge. I don't judge anybody, um, you know, in positions. So that's how that's how I do. I just. Okay. Talk to them like a friend. Yeah, I you know what? I empowering patients is so valuable because I think they do feel like they're they don't have power. And and they do. Right. They don't realize that. And I think even just having someone mm -hmm. like you by their side to kind of model behavior that you know, you can ask a question. It's like, oh, they did invite Meg's head off. <laughs> Maybe I could ask right. a question too. So that's good. That's right. good good exactly. good um Good suggestion. Thank you. We're going to try to fix healthcare by the end of season four. Here we are. <laughs> oh, I hope so. And, and also just to have, um, a tip of advice, um, organization. Um, I like to tell my patients to possibly keep a folder of all of their medical information in one place. Um, okay. I know I've, you know, I've talked to many of patients that, oh, I can't find my script or I can't find this um, paperwork. So, you know, if there's one tip I can give um, the listeners out there, yeah. just try to be organized um, with all of your information. It'll make your life a little bit easier. Do, do you find that, you know, I mean, that's certainly a great tip because with all the patients that you're working with, probably with multiple physicians and multiple meds and all the things they have to keep track of, do you find patients, I'm just curious, do you find patients kind of leaning toward using their phone for that? Like, because there's a lot of paperwork in, in healthcare, right? Um, um, prescriptions come in. I Right. I know we do. We get a lot of, um, you know, a lot of offices now send things. Um, you know, through email, but in my experiences, I do not feel like people use their phone a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they're surrounded and um, drowned with paperwork around them. Okay. Um, unfortunately, um, <sighs> you know, not everybody that I deal with, I mean, a good amount do use yeah. their cell phones, but I don't think they use it for um, medical reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to your mm -hmm. point, if you took a picture of your, of your prescriptions or if you took a picture of your meds, or I think in one right. instance, you said to take a picture of your discharge summary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I try to do that um, at the end of um, appointments with the patients. Okay. Um, I just try to take a picture. So I have all their information so I can help them, you know, um, set up their appointments or, Okay. Um, you know, organize their healthcare because, like I said, I I've been on my way to appointments and have gotten phone calls. I can't find my script, or I don't have the referral. So oh, you know, right. I've taken pictures of that information for my patients, just so in case that oh, happens. Good. And it has happened. It's yeah, happened I'm sure quite a few times. So um, I'm like sure. I, said, I try to 
<laughs> I try to get them to, you know, get a folder and keep all of their information. And I always tell them to get a copy of the disc if they ever have any radiology test. Um, so, you know, that helps if you ever have to go for a second opinion. That's okay. another tip. That's good. Ask good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The, I heard you mm -hmm. say about getting the referral, the dreaded referral, right? Oh, I don't have my yeah. referral. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, okay, the, the most important question, Meg, is do you have your outfit ready for the gala? <laughs> I've been looking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I've been talking to a lot of my colleagues. Um, it seems like we're going to have you know, a lot of people there. So I'm really looking to um, forward to a really nice night. Um, Great. You know, yeah, honoring I, all of the finalists. Yeah, there'll be a good crowd. I think there's, um, last I heard, there's over uh, 300 people um, coming. So it'll be, and it is That's a wonderful perfect. night uh, to celebrate, as I say, all that is good in nursing because it's, um, it's just a great night. There's a lot of wonderful nurses being uh, honored like yourself. So congratulations again. And thank you for taking time to talk with me. Yeah. Thank you, Betty. I really appreciate you giving me the time. Okay. All right. And take care. Wonderful night. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.